0: Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day, for this opportunity to freely gather here and worship you. And Lord, we pray that you would speak into our hearts, minds, and lives in these moments, in this day, and each day, that which you have for us. May my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is our sixth and final week of a journey of the spiritual disciplines, disciplines, tools, and practices that help us to focus on God, these tools, practices, and disciplines that hopefully become habits that then become a lifestyle for us so that we can be changed people. And as we look at these things, we've looked at five so far and we conclude with our sixth today. We have looked at prayer and the scripture, worship and solitude, celebration, And now today we come to our last one, Sabbath. To be honest with you, if I were to look at the disciplines that, all the disciplines in the list, not just the ones I've talked about, but even the ones I've talked about, and if I were to reflect carefully on the past three years of my life, this one has changed the most for me. This one has shaped me the most in those past two and a half, three years. This idea of Sabbath is a tough one, But it's in the Ten Commandments, so we ought to pay attention to it. These commandments are not, in fact, the Ten Suggestions. It's a unique one. It's the one that is primarily focused on self-care. This is what we call a precept. It's not just a principle or an idea or a philosophy. It is what it is. And it's something that has changed dramatically over our culture. From the time that it was shared and how it was practiced in Jesus' day until it's practiced now. Certainly then it was very rigid, very ritualistic. It applied to everyone and everything, every act of work. If you've ever known or had a relationship with someone of the Jewish faith, their Sabbath is a very important piece. It begins at the worship service or the end of the worship service on Friday night and continues into Saturday. In fact, we would often take our confirmation kids in many churches I served once to a synagogue service. And at the end of the service, instead of saying, have a good week or peace be with you, it was Shabbat Shalom, happy Sabbath, good Sabbath to you. Today, this concept of Sabbath is basically ignored. We might kind of take time off. We might do yard work instead of work. We may or may not go to church. It might be Sunday. It might be a different day. It's never Sunday for pastors, I promise. And, you know, we have kind of lost sight of this. But we must understand it's not a suggestion. This idea of Sabbath is essential. It's not some old idea. It's not just some Old Testament principle or Old Testament idea that we can ignore. Jesus has come. It doesn't matter anymore. This is not true. Sabbath is certainly scriptural, but it's countercultural, right? And yet, as Christians, we're called to be countercultural. We're called to be different, to not model the patterns of this world. We are citizens of God's kingdom, not citizens of the kingdom of busyness, the kingdom of the tyranny of the urgent. The kingdom of consumption, the kingdom of production, we're different. It's different. You know, we practice the Sabbath to remember that we're finite. Did you know that, that we're finite? That we're forced to slow that we can't sustain a constant pace of work, a constant pace of going. That we take the Sabbath to notice our limits, to notice God's power. We take the Sabbath to avoid burnout. Burnout is a reality. In fact, I know burnout well. I've practiced it a couple times. We were friends for a while. We've since broken up. But this idea of Sabbath, It's so important. It may seem unimportant, but our pace of life, especially today, is not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And recognizing the Sabbath, we recognize God's power, and we recognize perhaps that we don't have quite as much power as we thought. It's important. We are counter-cultural. It is not a suggestion. And so often sabbath is a strange notion to us we might kind of sabbath on vacation and yet there's a pattern here there's a pattern that God has set out on the seventh day you shall rest the seventh day is the sabbath so sabbath doesn't sabbath means six on one off six on one off six on one off not 250 on seven sort of off and 36 on and two sort of off But that's the way we live. We're go, 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 go. And we never stop. By the time we get to vacation, we don't even know how to vacation. And this idea of Sabbath, I think in our culture today, this might be one of the hardest ones to practice. One of the hardest disciplines to practice to actually stop. We're constantly on the go, constantly busy, but a busy life does not equal an abundant life. Jesus promised us an abundant life, and busyness doesn't necessarily equate to abundance. Sabbath is our linchpin. It is our kingpin. It is to be our rhythm. We're supposed to be in this rhythm of Sabbath, of stopping, of resting, of focusing on God, of relaxing, of about not being about doing. We are such a performance-based culture. We are so focused on performance. Do you realize that Jesus was called the Beloved before he ever performed? Sabbath is a reminder that it's not about our performance, that perhaps everyone around us in the world doesn't need us as desperately as we think they do. It's a reminder that we, in fact, do need God, and the world needs God much more than it needs us. We're terrible at stopping. Terrible. You know what? To Sabbath is an act of trust. It's a great act of trust. It's an act of trust, trusting God, letting go, letting go of control, letting go of a need to be needed, letting go of a need to perform, letting go of a need to do, to fill our lives. To give God control, to trust that God will take care of things while we're resting, that everyone and everything in the world will, in fact, be okay. I'll tell you something interesting happened to me. It was February 2nd, 2012. At that time in Colorado Springs, we had a citywide group of pastors, those who particularly worked with children, youth, and their families and I was one of the leaders of the group, and and part of my responsibility was to find speakers. We gathered every other month and heard a speaker, and it wasn't allowed to be about how to do better programs or better ministry or make your boss happy or the congregation happy. It was meant to be something about your leadership, about your soul, about your care. And so I called up a friend of mine, a friend, a colleague, and somebody who really has been my spiritual director, and I said, listen, can you come and speak to this group about self-care? because pastors are terrible about self-care. And he said, no, I'm not available, but why don't you have my friend Steve come and speak and have him come and speak on Sabbath? And so I contacted Steve, and Steve has since become a good friend, a good colleague, someone I'm in great conversation with, and his job is to help business leaders and CEOs and couples and people and pastors stop and embrace God, embrace the disciplines, embrace Sabbath, and so he came that day and he spoke to us. And I'll tell you, it was one of the most challenging messages I've ever heard. It was downright convicting. Convicting to the point where you just kind of, it feels heavy, right? I don't know if you've ever had that experience with a, with a message or a book or a sermon or anything else like that. It just... You know, you know it's what you needed to hear. You know it's, it's going to draw you closer to God, but it feels so heavy, it feels so hard, and, and you recognize in this comment your, your failure. And he started talking about this issue of Sabbath and this issue of rest, and the first thing he said is, nothing, is something I'll never forget. He said, you know, we are focused on busyness, especially as pastors. He says, do you know that the Chinese symbol for busyness, because, again, the Chinese language is in symbols, do you know the Chinese symbol for busyness means annihilation? It stopped me in my tracks because I was the king of business. You think I'm busy now. You have no idea. Ask my wife. Actually, don't. Um, <laughs> I was the king of busyness. I never took a day off. A day off meant I didn't go into the office, but I still worked and I still thought about work and I still answered emails and I still answered phone calls and sometimes I would even sneak into the office. But maybe I would wear a t-shirt and and gym shorts instead of, you know, something nicer. But I didn't stop. It was constantly on the go. This recognition, maybe perhaps in my own mind, to need to be needed, that I had to be available. You know, we live in this culture where we're constantly available, constantly accessible, constantly on the go, constantly doing. I didn't stop. Because after all, why should I stop? God needed me, Right. And, and there was so much good to do, and I didn't want to be lazy. And, and resting's not my natural tendency. And, and, so, and so I just didn't do any of that. But as he talked about Sabbath and the need to Sabbath for our own health, for our relationship with God, the toxic nature and the spiritual unhealth of never stopping, as he talked about our need to model to those we led stopping and Sabbathing, I knew he was right. Right? And that began a journey. It wasn't easy. It took me months to figure out even how to begin to stop for just a day, to rest, to Sabbath. It took me months to get used to it. It only took my family about five minutes. My boss actually never got used to it. We live in such a workaholic culture. We never, ever stop. And what I realized that day and in that moment wasn't just my failure, wasn't just my need for rest, but my blatant disobedience. Because that's what it was. It was my blatant disobedience that somehow I felt I was too important. Somehow, unintentionally, I forgot who was God. And you know, I can't say it's been easy to figure out. But I'll tell you, it's been transformative. And it is truly countercultural to stop. But it's the rhythm we're called to 6 1, 6 1. We look at our reading in Exodus, the Ten Commandments again, and not a suggestion. It's one of the longest commandments in terms of verses. We need the explanation. Somehow God knew this was not going to be easy for us. And here's the interesting thing. If we look at the scriptures for today, and really most of the scriptures, we remember that the God of the universe, in six days he created, and what did he do on the seventh? Rested. That Jesus, the Son of God, come to save the world. Lots to do on his to-do list lots to be, so many people in need, stopped. Who am I, then, to think I don't need to stop? Am I greater than the God of the universe? Than Jesus, the Son? See, I realized my disobedience. It's interesting, we get to our reading in Philippians, and and, and that's in your insert as well, And we had this conversation at Bible study, and I knew this would happen. The first question that comes up is, what does this have to do with Sabbath? But see, this passage talks about this issue of confidence in the flesh instead of confidence in God. And that's what the issue of disobedience of the Sabbath is, having confidence in ourselves in the flesh over having confidence in God. That this This stuff in the scripture is not just nice words for us to hear in church and go enjoy our brunch, although we should go enjoy our brunch. That this is a new model for living. This is the call to a way for living. And in Philippians, it talks about living in the flesh or living in Christ. Which kingdom? The kingdom of this world or the kingdom of God? And I love this passage in Philippians. It talks about pressing on for the goal. I have not perfected Sabbath. In fact, this was one of my weeks where I felt least perfect in Sabbath, ironically. I've not perfected Sabbath. It was against everything I ever knew. But you press on for the goal. To be more like Christ. That's our purpose. That's why we gather in worship. That's why we pursue this Jesus. That's why this Jesus pursues us. To make us more like Christ. It's not just some pie in the sky. It's what life is to be. And of course we come to Hebrews. So often again, we focus on our performance. And in Hebrews, it reminds us that we must make every effort to pursue the Sabbath. That's what the disciplines take, by the way, effort. Effort. That's why they're called disciplines. It takes effort to practice them. I was talking about that with someone this morning about celebration, which we talked about last week. The word they used was effort. It's going to take effort to do that more. These things take effort. But I'll tell you a little bit about my journey. You see, somehow in my head, I believed I had to go constantly for God. Somehow I believed if I stopped... I wouldn't be able to make as much of a difference. It felt inefficient. It felt lazy. And how could I do that? But here's the truth. Besides my disobedience, besides my really bad theology, besides the self centered nature of that thinking, besides the fact that I forgot who God was, here's the secret. In my attempts to practice Sabbath, I'm more efficient, I'm more passionate. I'm more productive. I feel like I've made a much greater difference for the kingdom. And I can guarantee you, I'm a better Christ follower, husband and father, because of Sabbath. And that matters more than the ministry stuff. It all matters, but that matters even more. And I can't say it's been easy to figure out this idea of Sabbath because I bought into the workaholic culture. But this practice has been life-giving. And so it's my habit to Sabbath on Friday, as most of you know. And so my habit has been, and it's been a gradual thing, that on Thursday night when I arrive home, I turn my phone off or on Do Not Disturb, I go to all those devices and turn off my work email on all those devices, and I leave it off until Saturday morning. I thought the first day I did this, I was going to (laughs) die. Or worse yet, someone else was going to die. (laughs) And then I started to realize I shouldn't even have a to-do list. I have a to-do list every day. I like my checklists. We've talked about that. I shouldn't even have a to-do list. And so I started spreading out those things that I had traditionally done on Friday throughout the rest of the week. And it's interesting because somebody said, and Steve said this was very interesting, this guy who spoke, he said, on the Sabbath day, it's not about doing nothing. It's about doing only those things that help us focus on God, doing only things that are life-giving for us. And so sometimes those things take effort. Okay, I, I, I kayak a lot on my Sabbath. It's really hard to kayak without effort, especially in the creek. I'm gonna end up in some other state if I don't put a little effort in. Okay? It's to do those things that are life-giving. It's to stop and give this day to God. It's to stop and rest and recognize who God is and who we're not. And I can't say I've perfected this. You know, sometimes I forget to turn the work email off on one of the things. Or sometimes a work email comes to my personal email and I instinctively answer it right away. And then I hit send and I go, oh, shoot. In fact, that happened to me this week. Sometimes those things happen. But I press on for the goal that God calls us to stop, to rest in him, to look to God, and to do only those things that are life-giving for us. Because so many things that we have to do in life Aren't life-giving? So many things. And for me, the issue of Sabbath is not just an issue of obedience, not just an issue of self-care, but an issue of trust. The God of the universe is big enough to handle a day without Marcus. And so far, the world has not ended. I have not died. And in fact, i found more life greater relationship with God, greater relationship with others, greater efficiency, greater productivity, those six (coughs) days that I go hard, (coughs) greater focus on the things that matter, better energy than ever before. A couple weeks ago, sometimes Friday something happens and I see it coming on a Friday. And so I had a seminar on a Friday. And so, I, and so what I do is I usually look ahead and then I pick another day that week, right? Discipline. And so usually what I do is I just pick the Monday after. And I went to do that and realized I couldn't do that. Kathy was out of the office and there would be no one around. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just do the next Monday. It'll be fine. It wasn't fine. I was tired for an extra three weeks. I was out of rhythm. My body knew right away. I was grumpy that weekend. God knows we need rest. God rested. We're called to Sabbath. We're called to rest. It's an issue of relying on God. And so in the midst of my imperfection, in the midst of my pressing forward toward the goal, in the midst of my making every effort to Sabbath, I'm committed to the Sabbath. It's not a suggestion. It's the spiritual discipline that perhaps in our culture that needs to be reclaimed the most. And my hope and prayer for each of you is that you too would be a people of the Sabbath to embrace this call, to trust God, to rest, to be restored, and that this will bring greater life than what we do now. We can't give busyness priority. We've got to give God priority. Easier said than done. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the challenge of the Sabbath, that you know better than we what we need. And God, in a culture that is constantly attached, constantly busy, constantly available, constantly on the go, we pray, God, that we would be a people of Sabbath, that we would embrace rest, embrace life-giving practices, to let over control, and to rely on and trust in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.